Good morning and happy Valentine's Day. Um, as I indicated last week, these uh, four messages that I'm doing under the heading of Wishing and Hoping, uh, the title was inspired by Dusty Springfield's song from the mid-60s uh, that started out with those words, Wishing and Hoping, Thinking and Praying. When things are difficult or uncertain, each of those words has a place in our lives. But the process shouldn't stop with wishing and hoping and thinking and praying. Individually, we need to be intentional about embracing those words. But we need to be equally intentional about moving on to being and doing. Perhaps we don't have all the answers. We cannot turn back the clock to a pre-COVID world and go back to the way the things were or wish the way we wish they were. But we can daily make the choices necessary to be the person God created us to be, even in the midst of a global pandemic, in the midst of incredible uncertainty. We may not know how. I certainly do not have a clue how to bridge all that divides us in the world today, but I can do the things that Scripture calls me to do when relating to all the other people he created. That's just one of those things that God's been pressing on me. Whenever I've got the TV on, generally I try to stay away from news, but it keeps invading me. Uh, but it's like somebody will just for lack of a better term, make my blood boil. And God will say, yep, I created him too. <laughs> you sure? Um, <laughs> Last week, uh, we looked at, uh, again, forgot I had the clicker in my pocket. Um, <clears throat> Last week, we looked at one of those famous passages of Scripture, and I spent a copious amount of time uh I would say talking with Diana, but it was more me talking at Diana about sometimes what God has to say to us and what God asks of us is so incredibly simple and so miserably difficult to apply. Mark chapter 12 one of the teachers of the law came, heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked of him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one answered Jesus is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And as we looked at last week at great length, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and all of your strength incredibly simple. What a great mission statement. Love God. Heart, mind, soul, body, strength, all of it. Just love God. Man, that's hard sometimes. And then, as if he's not enough, I mean, you could just spend your whole life trying to figure that out and actually do it. Understand it, memorize, but do it consistently. But then he goes on. He says, the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And I look at all the stuff we get bogged down 
with in our spiritual lives and in our personal lives. And Jesus says, it's really this simple and it's really this hard. Love God and love others. I don't recall where I heard it said, but I once encountered someone expressing the concept about God and his expectations for us. And this is a paraphrase, and I don't even know who to credit it to, but it's certainly not me. It says, referring to God, it says, He never commands us to do something that he's not willing to equip, enable, and empower us to do. That's just not the God that I know. At times I think he's asking the impossible, but he's not. Years ago, here at the church, I'll tell you how many years ago in just a moment, we purchased a marriage enrichment workshop, and it was on VHS, all right? <laughs> I mean, if we go way back, I remember literally we we rented, because you couldn't buy it, you couldn't afford it, we rented the actual reels of some of Dobson's stuff. But no, this was, this was new stuff. This was VHS. And uh, I'm embarrassed to say it, it's probably out in the shed. All right, we could probably go find it. If we could find a VHS player, we could watch it. But, but the series, this marriage enrichment series, was by Gary Smalley, and it was the title was love is a decision and i remember at that time people pushed back and i and, and since that time it from time to time when i'm working with couples usually premarital situation and i talk about love i talk about love being a decision and and i get pushback on that because most of us have been trained encouraged subtly influenced to not look at love as a decision. But we've been trained to think of it as a feeling, as emotional, as a spark or a connection or physical attraction. However, whether we like it or not, if we are commanded to love one another, and if God is always willing to help us do what he commands us to do, then it does boil down to the fact that love is a decision. And again, please understand, I don't like saying this, love is a decision, red or blue, Democrat or Republican, black or white, young or old, mask or no mask, vaccine or no vaccine, love is a decision. I don't like saying that because that means when I'm not feeling loving, I can't blame anybody except me. It's been interesting. And and again, one of the great curses of a call to preach, at least in my experience, is generally you end up having to live out what you preach. And, And this week was one of those I won't even say three steps forward, two steps back. It was three steps forward and three steps back, maybe four steps back. Had a couple of situations where, oh, I'm doing it. I'm loving people. And then seconds later, I, I'm literally ready to turn my car and follow another driver so I can punch them in the throat. And I was just celebrating that in this grocery store before that, I had done a really neat, loving thing. 
and I know none of you have that issue, but depending upon the translation you read, this phrase in the New Testament, one another, shows up as many as 30 times. And it covers anywhere from 15 to 20 different topics or behaviors. Just take a breath, okay? I'm not doing a separate sermon for each one another. I'm going to lump some of them together or we'd be here till Jesus comes. Uh, not that that's a bad thing and come Lord Jesus sooner before the series is over. That'd be awesome. But anyway, uh, among many other things, considering the challenges that we face every day in the world around us, those of us within the church need to individually and collectively change our thinking and change our behavior to embrace and practice these one another verses with intentionality, consistency, commitment, and compassion. We must take seriously the passage I shared with you last week when Peter says of us, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's a calling on all of us if we say we choose to follow Christ. And that applies to the one another's. Every one of us who chooses to enter into relationship with Jesus Christ that is real, personal, life-changing is chosen, is called, is selected to be a priest and to minister to the one another's that surround us. One of the exciting things that stands out as we will continue to unpack the one another's is there is a place for everyone to be engaged if we simply make the choice. Regardless of whether you're young or less young, I don't use the other word anymore, but whether you're young or less young, whether you're new to the church or a seasoned saint, whether you have a deep understanding of the Bible or are just getting started, regardless of your gifts, talents, abilities, experience, you can find a way to minister to one another. As we look at being and doing in relationship with the one another passages, I continue to challenge you where I harped at last week to ask the three questions. What would it look like for me to plug in whatever one another passage? What needs to change for me to whatever one another passage you want to plug in there? And then how might it influence others if I were to? One thing, I would probably punch a lot fewer people in the throat if I were to do these things. But it would probably make me a lot more pleasant to be around as well. As I said last week, I'm not about to try to give you the answers to those questions. What I will do is try to make you think and to sort out your own unique path forward. Today, I simply encourage you, Start where you are. Don't berate yourself. Don't be discouraged if you blow it in Myers' parking lot like Pastor Steve. Just decide to make a small step forward. Again, Jesus said it this way. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. 
So since this is Valentine's Day, and it's all about love, right? Nod your heads. All right. Let's look at the one another, or some of the one another verses related to love. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, excuse me, John chapter 13. He said, a new command I give you. Now, again, just imagine with me, if you're having some one-on-one time with Jesus, and he looks across at you and he says, I've got a new command for you. Do you think that's a sit-up-and-take-notice moment? Jesus has got something to say to me. Jesus says, a new command I give you. Love one another. Can you imagine, you know, you get out your notepad and you're writing it down, he says, love one another. And you're thinking, yeah, yeah, what else? No, love one another. Really? Just, just that's all? Love one another. Oh, then he, he doesn't stop there. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Did your head just explode? Because it should. How much did Jesus love you? How much does Jesus love you? Now, Jesus may slap me upside the head, and he may give me a kick in the seat of the pants, but he's yet to punch me in the throat, even though I deserve it sometimes. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Friends, just be honest with me. Is there anything unclear about that? Verse 35, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Did you unpack that a little bit in your mind? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what will people know about me if I don't love one another? That's kind of uncomfortable. So Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. <clears throat> what would it look like for me to love others the way Jesus does? That's the question. What would that look like on a daily basis in my home, in the marketplace, at school, in the parking lot at the grocery store, what would it look like for me to actually embrace the command that Jesus has given me and the command that he is equipped and is willing to equip, enable, and empower me to carry out? What would that look like? What needs to change for me to love one another? Newsflash, I know you guys are way different than I am, and you're all glad about that. But for me to do that, I've got to get over myself. That's It's got to start there. You probably have something different you need to process. But what needs to change for me to love one another as Jesus loved me? Again, friends, this is not rocket science. You don't need a doctorate of ministry to read that verse and to say what I'm saying. But at least for me, it's not easy.
to actually live out consistently? How might it influence others if I were to love others the way Jesus loves me? Gee, just imagine how it may make those in your life feel. That's not the only time Paul decides to jump on the bandwagon. And in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, he says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The continuing debt. I owe people the love of Jesus flowing through me. Some of you know because we've talked about it. Diane and I have been on a mission to eliminate debt in our lives. We've just been going bonkers, all right? But I wondered, as I thought about what we've been looking at in our personal finances, what if I lived with that same determination that Dave Ramsey encouraged us to have to get rid of debt to, to address my continuing debt to love others. I'll be honest with you. I don't roll out of bed first thing in the morning and say, I owe it to everybody I contact today to love them. I, I'm not there. But I'm wondering, maybe I should be. Let no de- debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. What would it look like, friends? What would have to change? What kind of difference would it make? So we got Jesus. Did I skip one? I did skip one. All right, so we got Jesus saying it. Or maybe, let me see here. Am I out of sync? I am out of sync. All right. So Jesus said it, Paul said it, Peter says it. First Peter chapter 1 verse 22 says it this way. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. And again, I'm not proud of this. But I'm honest with you, it's a whole lot easier for me to love some folks from my heart than it is others. And I did look up First Peter, even though I didn't put it up on the board, or maybe it's hiding later, but I did look it up, and I didn't see any qualifications as to who qualified. There was no love one another deeply from the heart when you agree on political issues, when you agree on anything, when you're getting along just lovely. It says, love one another deeply from the heart. And then we'll jump to First John. First John 3.23. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. This is his command, to believe 
in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Love Jesus and love others. John continues, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. I certainly do not want to make application or interpretation of Scripture that's not warranted. So I'll just put it out there. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So I just have to wonder, what does that say about me if I'm not loving? If the love I have comes from God, and if everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, what could we draw if we're not loving one another? And then 1 John 4. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God started it. Couldn't do it without him. I'll be honest, I can barely do it with him. But it doesn't change what he calls me to do. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another... God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. Again, if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. At best, if I'm not wrestling with loving one another in a real, life-changing way, at best... His love is not made complete in me. But perhaps it's even more serious than that. Jesus said the second command is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Again, I said last week, and I've promise you next week I'll say it again and I plan to say it again the following week and I plan to say it again the week after that ask yourself the questions what would it look like for me today to love the one another's that cross my path what would it look like what needs to change in my life for me to love the one another's that I encounter. The ones that make it easy and the ones that make it really, really hard. What would it look like? And how might it influence others if I were to love the one another's? Jesus said, that's how people know that he's living in me. That's how people see who Jesus is is when I love the one another's the way he loved me. What would it look like? 
There's the questions. What would it look like? What needs to change? How might it influence others if I were to love them? Just a a glimpse of one of the ideas. Paul says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Anybody else ready to just tear that page out of your Bible and say, let's move on? It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Again, some folks it's a whole lot easier to protect than others. Some folks it's a whole lot easier to trust than others. But the calling is to love one another the way he loved us. And again, I cannot, nor will I try to tell you what that should look like in your life. But I will readily tell you it's something we all need to wrestle with. And it's a decision, not just a feeling. Pray with me. Others, I think about that saying that love is a decision. I'm reminded of the decision you made rooted in your deep love for us as your creation. You made the love decision to love us in spite of ourselves. You made the love decision to send your son to live and die for my sins. That's love is a decision. Your son made the love decision to leave the splendor of heaven and come to earth and love us. And die for us. And from the moment he left this earth and took his place next to the Father in heaven, he has continued to reach out in love, in the hope, in the dream in the desire to love us so much that we in turn find the resources, find the motivation, find the determination to love one another. Love one another when celebrating our similarities and love one another when trying to figure out our differences. Father, again, your word makes it clear that your love decision took place while we were yet sinners. 
we didn't, never could, never will deserve it. But you gave your love. Father, what would it look like? What would it look like for me to love one another? What needs to change for me to love one another? And Father, my my head explodes when I start to think about the difference it could make in the lives of others if I were to choose to love them the way you love me. Father, I don't like to thank you for conviction because it's miserable. But I thank you that you love me enough to stretch me, to call me, to command me to be all that you created me to be. So, Father, I pray that you'll help each of us to process these words, process those commands in a fashion that honors you, helps us to become more of who you called us to be, and in a way that enriches others. I thank you and I praise you, Father. Amen.